Welcome to episode 43 of From the Shed End Podcast. As always, myself, T-Dot and Theo. How are you doing, Theo? Good. Slightly hungover, but um, I'm doing good. <laughs> At my office, uh, Christmas party yesterday. And anyone who's listening on Spotify or Apple, he does look quite the odd colour, if we're honest. Yeah, he looks very hungover. So, um, yeah, it looks like it was a good night for Theo. But I think you needed to be hungover after the last sort of 48 hours UEFA Champions League, let's start right there. Um, let's get straight into it. It was a shambles. It was a shambles. Um, yeah, I mean, you you was obviously, you came back from Dubai, um, came back to cold England, and then to top it off, UEFA can't get the draw right for what is arguably the most important competition in, in world football. Um, yeah, talk us through it. What, what was your thoughts? What was your thoughts before the draw, actually? Because obviously you said about Lille as well on the previous episode. Well, what was your thoughts about the draw building up to it? I thought, you know, before before games that we could have got Ajax, Lille, Real Madrid and um, and Bayern Munich, every single one of those games is hard in their own way. Um, I was nervous for the draw, if I'm honest. I felt, you know, all our past opponents in the round of 16 have been either Bayern Munich, PSG, Barcelona... Atletico Madrid last season. So we haven't had a really an easy draw in the round of 16 in a very long time. Uh, I think last time probably Galatasaray in 2014 was the last relatively easy one. So I was quite nervous for the draw. I watched it live as well and I saw all the mistakes happen live and I was thinking, surely this can't be right. You know, is this even rigged? Is it? It didn't seem right. And then, yeah, what happened afterwards is just, I can't even explain it. It was an absolute shambles. You know, the amount of time and effort they put in explaining the regulations and the rules and the process. And then they're the ones that go and mess it up themselves. It's 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 shocking. But I do think the decision to do a redraw as annoying as it was as a Chelsea from a Chelsea fan's perspective, because we were happy with drawing Lille, it did make sense, I think, and it was fair. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think if it was the other way around and, you know, we had Bayern Munich in the first one and then, you know, it, it was still a shambles. I'm sure every Chelsea fan would have wanted a revote or a redraw, sorry. So I think it was the right thing to do. I think going into it as well, I know we spoke about it with um, with Haydar as well, but I, I just I, I just think going into those kind of competitions, even if we got Bayern Munich, if we had Ajax or whoever it was going to be, out of those uh, or Lille as well, but going into those kind of competitions, especially as a Chelsea fan as well, and knowing you know, we've overcome some, you know, big nights in Champions League. You think back to the new camp against Barcelona, um, you know, just, and, you know, Torres and Ramirez, but just those kind of moments in football, it didn't really worry me going into the draw because I, I, I always think, yes, we might get Bayern Munich, but if we, you know, these games I don't think have been played till end of February. I think the 22nd, it's been confirmed for the first leg. And uh, what's the date in March? There's a date in March, probably two weeks after, a week after it's in, in March for the second leg. But, there's plenty of football fitness to get these players back that we've got injured at the moment, get them back up to full fitness as well. So I, um, I was never worried about Bayern Munich, I don't think, but to get Lille is obviously the, the blessing in disguise as well. But I, I'm going to ask you a question around, do, do you feel, I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway, but do you feel that the um, the competition, the way it's drawn out, is, is rigged? Do you feel like you know they, they tried to get the Messi-Ronaldo in the PSG sort of... Um, Man United game as well in the first draw, the one that was void. But do you think it is rigged? Do you think there is a, a way that they can 
rig these kind of situations? I don't know. There's so many possibilities. Maybe one of the balls weighs more than the other or it's a certain color. And they hot and cold. Exactly. There's always these rumors, but I don't think it's rigged, but I think they do things to try to make it more dramatic and more of a spectacle in a way, like we saw in the F1 and the final race um, a few days ago. I think it's more, you know, they're trying to make it appeal to more people. And like you said, if they can get Messi to play against Ronaldo once again and recreate that rivalry um, this season when they join new teams in the summer, then, you know, UEFA's eyes will, you know, flash up with money, money signs in a way because they know that the world will be watching and they can create so much drama and a spectacle out of it. But I wouldn't say it's rigged, but I think, like I said, they favour certain events, I think. Yeah, um, it, it's true. It's true. Yeah, I just got the dates here for for our our sort of two fixtures. So we've got Tuesday the twenty second is when we'll play our first game at the Stam- at Stamford Bridge, and then we'll we'll fly over to North of France Wednesday the sixteenth to play the second leg. An interesting thing that they did mention um, during the build up was that there's no um, aggregate sort of away goals anymore. It is just 180 minutes. If it's not decided, then it's extra time and penalties. So what do you think about that? Because obviously it's, it's a new sort of concept that they've brought in. Does it kind mm. of give both teams the same advantage in both legs? Because we have seen it where a team have scored and then they sit back in the second leg, part of the bus, if you want to call it that. But they, they tend to defend for their lives and, you know, come out winners based on the first results do you think it's more fair more even i'm actually not really a fan of this rule i was on a podcast yesterday trying to discussing this as well i thought last season it would have made complete sense to scrap mm. the away goal rule when you're playing in empty stadiums we traveled to um you know we played at porto twice in Sevilla in the same stadium empty stadium you know for me that away goal when when mountain chillwell scored it made no sense for me but this season, I think they should bring it back. I think, you know, it adds a bit of drama to the Champions League knockout stages. You know, when you, you score you score a goal in these hostile in away stadiums, you know, it does, you can maybe come back and change your strategy because you've got that away goal. But at the same time, if it means teams sitting back can just, you know, defending that lead, then it's not really appealing to watch. I think every team should be playing a game to win it, not to, you know, defend the lead. So um, I think we'll be seeing a lot more goals in um mm. in these knockout stages a lot more maybe um high scoring draws i can see maybe you know two two score lines in both legs and not more added time and penalties like you mentioned should it go beyond the 180 minutes but um i don't know i'm not the biggest fan of this i, I think maybe i'll as from a fan's perspective i'll try let this season and see how it goes but i just feel like we've got so much you know history with scoring away goals and memories as well you know the new camp and all that so it's going to be strange but i will i will kind of just watch it and see how it goes yeah it's going to be i think for me i i kind of do feel that it's it gives both teams both legs the opportunity to like mm. you said just to you know there isn't that sort of opportunity to sit back and hope that the other team doesn't score and that is part of football you know obviously part of football is defending so you know if you can defend really well and that's just the, the, the tactics that the manager sets up. You know, Jose Mourinho was the guy that was always dub parking the bus. So if, it, if that's your tactics, then that's great. But I suppose if you, you know, it will give the, the 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 sort of incentive for players to go out and try and win both legs rather than try and get the, you know, the, the away goal in the first and then sit back in the second. So I kind of see what they've done there, but I do agree with you. I think if there's fans in the stadium, you know, you're in a hostile environment, it kind of spurs your players on and, and it probably means a bit more as well. You know, you've got, you've got fans there um, from the away, you know, 
home fans in, in when you're playing in the away fixture, it, it kind of means a bit more to those players as well. So I, I kind of on the fence, maybe I am on, on that one, but it's, um, mm. yeah, it's a bit of a strange one that they brought it in this season, as opposed to, to last season when, like you said, no fans and neutral stadiums was a, you know, a big thing, but go, go, going back to Lille, because obviously they, they're not doing very well domestically. I'm sure they're, they're 11th in the uh, domestic league, but I think they did top their group, um, Arby's, um, Salzburg, Sevilla and Wolfsburg. So, Going into those two legs, and obviously um, we've played them previously, I, I think ironically in Group H as well, 2019, <laughs> 2020 season, mm. um, we beat them, I think 2-1. 2-1 in Abraham, both legs. Yeah, yeah Tammy Abraham, Aspie, Quinton, I think. Willian away, away from home, and um, I think it, who scored the second one? Willian and Abraham as well, um, yeah, away from home, say, yeah. I think he, he got the two, but we've, you know, we've got a good record against Lille with, with, you know, albeit that we've conceded in both, but we've come out victory against both of them. So what do you expect from those two games, um, February, March next year? I mean, I don't think we should definitely not under, you know, underestimate them. I think they're, they're no mugs. They they won the Ligue 1 last season with PSG in it, who are probably, you know, a very good side with the most probably the best quality of players in the in the Liga. Um, they topped their group. I know it's a relatively easy group, but still they topped it. And uh, it's going to be a difficult game. I think even when we played them two seasons ago, both games were just a you know a difference of one goal. So it's, it was tight, and I think it's going to be harder than we expect. Uh, I think particularly the, the game in in France. They've got a good group of players. You know, a mix of youth and experience. I think. Barack Yilmaz, 30-something years old, and last season he was scoring for fun. Um, then they've got, I think, Ikone, Renata Sanchez. Um, they've got a good group of players. But again, I think, you know, we're the favourites. We should be winning it. Um, I think Lila will approach the game thinking, you know, they've got nothing to lose. They're underdogs. They'll want to just, you know, play football and hopefully, you know, get a result. But we, we've got a bit more pressure on our side. So it's going to be that might play in Lila's favour. And um, one thing that's given me a lot of confidence, though, is obviously Thomas Tuchel's a brilliant knockout, knockout Champions mm. League manager. We saw that last season. So I think, you know, the, the, the strategy and the system he brings to these games and the, the game plan, especially, will, will kind of hopefully favour us. And I do think we'll, I want to say we'll comfortably go through. I said that as well about the group stages. I think I said we'd, we'd comfortably top the group. But so, um, so I'm not, I kind of always have to think about what I say now. But I, I do think we'll, we'll comfortably go through. I've got to back ourselves. Yeah, I think like, like I mentioned before, I think, you know, we, we're talking about, we're trying to talk about, you know, three months down the line or two months down mm. the line. And I, I do think if we can keep the players that are fully fit now, fully fit and bring that, bring those players back, you know, look at Ango, Angolo Kante, who looks like he's back in training from some of the pictures um, on social media this week. Kovacic is a big miss. At that point, you'd expect those contract issues to be resolved um, in terms of Christensen, Rudiger, and, and we'll mention Thiago Silva shortly, but those contracts will be resolved at that point as well. You'd expect Lukaku to be back in some sort of form, you know, back in the team sort of cemented himself back as that number nine or, you know, playing some regular football. So I think there's a lot like promising things to think about from a Chelsea perspective as well. But like you just mentioned, you know, Lila, a a good team, you know, champions last season. Yes, they're not doing very well at the moment, but I, I think, I think sometimes with teams when they play domestically, domestically is one thing, but then they, some teams like to turn up for European competitions and like you just mentioned, you know, 
not to be underestimated as well. They topped the group in in um, this this season's group stages for the Champions League. So I, I personally wouldn't underestimate them at all. But I do think looking at the the prospects of having all those plays back for us, we should be winning these two games over two legs as well. Um, it, it shouldn't be too hard for us. But stranger things have happened and this is all right on another another thing as well the club world cup we should have that mm. in our our lockup at that point as well so that might be an incentive for the players to you know to go on and, and finish the season on a high in my opinion yeah i think that the first leg is straight after the club world cup if i'm not mistaken you know yeah, uh, yeah. almost and i think as well one thing more about lille a couple of their star players i think are linked with moves away in january so there could be some change of personnel come come the game in um, in a couple of months' time. Their manager who won them uh, the league last season, I think, left to go to Nice. So they've got a new manager as well. And I haven't, as like you said, they haven't been performing as well domestically. But um, yeah, I don't think we should underestimate them. We should just approach the game like we're playing a, an Ajax, a, a Real Madrid, a Bayern Munich, and uh, hopefully um, get the get the, get the, get through to the next round. Because I'm seeing a lot of people on Twitter almost, you know, already talking about us being in the quarterfinals. So it would be embarrassing if we didn't make it, for sure. I think that was the worry yesterday. And I suppose why I sort of downplayed it on, on um, Twitter and, you know, other social media platforms. But if we do go on to lose this game now, it is that sort of egg on the face moment because... Mm. You know, we said, oh, we, we avoid Bayern Munich, avoid Bayern Munich. And if we do lose the, the you know, of these two games, it is a bit like, well, you know, Champions of Europe have lost to the, or one of the the lesser favoured, you know, teams to win the Champions League. Um, but there are some tasty fixtures, just looking at the, the full fixture list in terms of, you know, other English teams and other European teams as well. But, you know, Salzburg, unfortunately, drew Bayern Munich. Sporting Lisbon got Manchester City, which I think is a very good tie. You know, it, it's not, guaranteed that Man City will will beat them. You know, they should, but you never know. Uh, Bayern Munich and Ajax, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, Atletico versus Manchester United. Villarreal versus Juventus. Inter Milan, Liverpool is a, a very tasty fixture as well, but they always like to, like you said before, give you the main the main event, which is I'm, I'm assuming will be PSG versus Real Madrid. So um, you look at those kind of games and, you know, I was having a conversation offline around the, the English teams that are in there still. And you do kind of think there will be an English team potentially in the final, you know, semi-final, final out of those fixtures. Um, moving forward, you, you probably see another sort of English team in the final. Yeah, yeah, I think, I don't think we're favourites this season. I think Liverpool, City and Bayern Munich are above us. Um, mm. But Champions League, you, get, you need a bit of luck. You could have maybe have a, you know, a City against um, Bayern Munich come the quarterfinals, which means one of those two teams wouldn't be make it to the semis or the or the final. But I think if you're basing it purely on the quality of the teams, the, four, the three teams I mentioned and Chelsea should be those teams, you know, competing to get to the final. I think, but I think it's going to be it's going to be tricky for us. A lot trickier than last season, simply because I think City have improved a lot. They would have learned from last season's mistakes in the final. Um, I do think Kowaliola now is probably going to go all out for the Champions League this season, maybe even more so than the league. So um, it's going to be tough, very tough, but some really tasty fixtures, like you mentioned. And from a watching from a neutral point of view, will be will be good as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, as long as we get our, our yeah. you know, we get through, then that, that's fine for us. But um, yeah, looking forward to those those fixtures. Um, I think yeah, they literally are after the um, the Club World Cup. As I say, I think they've confirmed it now. Yeah, twenty second of February for the the first first leg in, at Stamford Bridge, and then the sixteenth of March 
for this second leg. So um, assuming, yeah, both of them will be at 8 p.m. UK time as well. So let's let's take it to some interesting news, which sort of broke yesterday. Um, or if you're listening to this, it'll be, you know, the, earlier in the week. But it was Thiago Silva. He's close to a new deal. It was um, confirmed by sort of good sources via, you know, social media that there's been ongoing conversations anyway prior to this. But it seems like Thiago Silva's ready to sign a deal get that over the line. Surely that, you know, we spoke about it on here already, but surely that should then follow suit with um, Andreas Christensen and maybe even Antonio Rudiger as well. But what's your thoughts on, on, on Silva? Obviously he's currently playing very well for us, but you know, 37 free agent at the time, surely the best bit of business in the Premier League for a while. Definitely. Um, if we can get him for another year, I say, you know, play him less frequently because he will probably want to conserve him for bigger games or play younger players, but uh, he's still probably our best defender. He's still our best defender. And I don't see any signs of him, you know, showing any, showing his age or, so I think getting him to a new, sign a new deal is a brilliant bit of business. He doesn't seem too fussed about wages. I think he's happy to stay on the same ones, I think. And he, I think he moved to a new house this summer as well, which is a sign that he wants to stay in London for another year. Um, loves the club from what I can see. Great professional as well. Um, just watching that um, Lampard video on um, on YouTube. How um, after the Champions League final, he sent Lampard a message to thank him. It's, you know, I don't think any of the other players would have maybe done something similar. So um, no, it's brilliant. And like we always mention on this um, podcast, even just having him in the dressing room, players like Trevor Chaloba, even Malang Sai, if he stays for, uh, for another year, will learn so much from just playing alongside him, training with him you know, conversations with him in the dressing room. So um, great bit of business if we can get him to sign that extension and stay for another year. And I'm sure that maybe even this time next year, we'd be talking about him staying for another year, even after that, if he continues to play well. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely something that, you know, I mentioned on the previous um, episode that we did in terms of, you know, nailing down those contracts, because I think the closer I get to January, the closer I'm starting to think Rudiger potentially will be the one that does go. Um, you know, there's been there's been many reports which I expect over the last couple of weeks around Christensen, Rudiger, Aspiaqueta as well, all being linked with various clubs across Europe. The latest one, I think, Rudiger for United was was the shout this morning. So, um, which I, I can't see happening, but I, I think nailing down Thiago Silva, in my opinion, is one of the he's one of the key ones because he's not, again, he's not, you know, one of the fastest with his legs. He's, his football brain does a lot of the work for him in terms of what he's able to do on the pitch as well. And like you said, you know, if we, we wrap him in cotton wool for the next, you know, 12 months or so, we'll definitely get a, a world-class player out of him. Even at that age that he is, you know, 38 going on 39, um, uh, by the time he comes to the end of that contract as well. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a, it's a very, very good deal. I, I do think, you know, part of potentially why this isn't the ultimate reason, but I think one of the reasons why we are defensively not as good as we have been potentially is because there's a lot of these rumblings going on at the ground at the moment, you know, the training ground and um, that can disrupt the harmony of the squad. So it, it kind of worries me if we haven't, you know, next couple of weeks, two weeks or so, if we haven't got a Christensen deal over the line or there's nothing concrete coming about, uh, about Rudiger, then I'm going to start panicking a little bit because I do think, you know, is it, is it Melanxar? Is it Melanxar that we're going to be playing in Trevor Chaloba as well? So yeah, we need to, we need to sort of get this one over the line. You normally get one over the line and one follows after and then, mm. you know, or maybe announce them all on the, the same day. Now, that would be a Chelsea <laughs> thing to do. You know, just have them all done on the same day. 
yeah, send social media into meltdown if we, you know, announce them all on the same day or some kind of video promotion with all of them together. I would not be surprised, you know. Um, but yeah, I think, like you mentioned, the closer we get to January and the closer, you know, these players haven't are coming to signing that new deal, it's starting to get a bit more worrying. I do think Christensen will sign it. I've read something recently that he's only one, he's one step away from signing the contract. The Rudiger one does worry me. It really does worry me now. I think his agent's playing a big part in him trying to get a move away and, you know, increase that. If a club gets him for free next summer, then they'll be willing to pay those £400,000 a week for him because they're not paying a fee to, to sign him and his agent will probably ask for some money as well, which they'll happily pay. Um, but yeah, I think come January, it would not be surprised if he's talking to the likes of Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain. So um, it's disappointing because it's going to be very hard to replace that left centre-back role. That he's, he's so good in, in this Tuchel system that you do start thinking if we lose Rudiger, would we you know? go back into the, tra- the transfer market next year buy someone else do we go yeah. back to a back four you know to play more you know, more another midfielder instead of a defender but it kind of like just causes a lot of problems so the ideal situation would get you know all four of those players to sign extensions and just keep the defense as it is yeah that's that'd be the uh, you know <laughs> ideal situation and, and, and get those over the line but um yeah you know next two weeks are going to be very interesting because I think you know like I said we need to get something done and I'd I'd imagine anyway there's contingencies in place you know if we do lose Rudiger Christensen doesn't decide to to sign on um, then yeah and and I suppose we have to remember albeit they don't have to sign in January um, there is the option that they can you know we can still continue to have those talks with with those players throughout the season so it's not the end of the world if they don't sign but ideally you know you want to go into that second half of the season with those kind of things ironed out and not you know dragging down to the summer so um another another player i want to talk about who again we speak about him too much on here but we have to because he's, he's just that good is is conor gallagher who i read something i think um this morning around it, it did come from sam Allardyce, so i took it with a lot of pinch of salts and um, didn't really take too much notice. But in terms of what he was saying around, if he does return to um, Chelsea next season or, or this season even, but if he returns at the summer, then he might fall into that sort of Jesse Lingard criteria where he's played really well for West Ham and then he's gone back to United and every sort of bench warming comes on for a few minutes, comes off. And so I, I, I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think he'll be someone who can easily force his way into that Chelsea squad. But I wanted to get your opinion on that view that Sam Allardyce had in terms of he could be a Jesse Lingard if he's not careful. I can see what, where he's coming from um, simply because there's more competition to start, you know, in that Chelsea midfield than there is at Palace. There's better quality of players as well. Um, I do think Tuchel chooses his teams and is especially in preseason based on merit and the players that deserve to be there, like we saw with with um, Trevor Chaloba, who worked his way into the team in preseason. And Tuchel is almost hinting that he wants to keep Gallagher um, next season. I don't. Th- I do think he'll start games. I, don't, I can't see him starting every single one just because Tuchel changes his formation quite often and he doesn't really go with the same starting eleven, you know, back to back. But he is. I think he's got m- more goals than or the same amount of goals this season as Lukaku, Havertz, and Timo Werner combined more goals as well than Messi, Kane, you know, and someone else combined. He's, um, I think, after Mount and Vardy amongst the English players in the Premier League, he's contributed to the most goals. 
And yeah. uh, I don't know, he's just a, he's just he's a goal scoring midfielder, which except for Mason Mount is what we kind of lack this season, I feel. And um, that second goal against uh, against Everton was superb. It's kind of we were talking, I think, I don't know if it was on a podcast or offline and we were talking about we don't really have a player that's, you know, scored a long range goal this season. Mm. But, uh, you know, that's what that's what he can offer as well. So he's got, you know, so many different skills that, you know, we're lacking in the, in the squad this season. Um, I don't think he'll fall in that Jesse Lingard bracket a bit like, you know, how Loftus-Cheek was kind of in and out of the team at the start of the season, whereas now he's almost cemented his, his position. And obviously Chelsea, not like Crystal Palace, will have more games as well. We will have more games than them with Champions League football, cup competitions. Who knows, we might be in a club World Cup again next season or, you know, the year after. So there'll be more opportunities for him to play. Um, but I don't expect him to play every single game at Chelsea. Even Mason Mount's not playing every single game. Um, so there will be competition. But what, what do you think? Do you think he'll he'll fall in that kind of trap? Or I, I think he's. I think. Well, first of all, I think they're they're relatively different players. So and systems are totally different in terms of how United are set up, even under um, new new regime. But I think he's too good of a player, regardless of whether it's Chelsea, Palace, whoever. I read, I think Barcelona have started to put the, the feelers out as well. So anyone who comes in for Conor Gallagher is getting a quality player who can, I, I, I think the compa- I understand the comparison, what he's trying to say, Sam Allardyce, in terms of the situation. But I think in terms of the players, I think that, you know, I think Conor Gallagher's miles ahead of Jesse Lingard, if I'm honest. So I think he's too good of a player to be sitting on someone's bench, regardless of what team he's playing for. I think if he ends up staying at Crystal, Crystal Palace, which I think is a very big option I think you know Palace are very keen to try and to buy him and to keep him which um you know would be for us would be you know almost devastating because he's that good of a player I think he has a a role to play at Chelsea very much like Tomori did you know I think mm-hmm. you look at the situation we're in now you know Tomori would be a very good um option to bring into this team with the, the situations we've got at centre-back but in terms of Gallagher I think he's um I think I think ideally I'd love to see him be recalled um, after the season's finished. You know, he's, mm. he's, he's low and ends and he comes back. And I think he's got an important part to play. Uh, I think it all depends as well. Um, you know, Jorginho has been one of those players that's always been kind of linked with other clubs for the last two seasons or so. So if we do end up leave, losing Billy Gilmore as well, that's another option. It's, I think one of the two will go. I don't know mm. which one. I do think, I, I don't think Tuchel will keep both. So... This is going to pain me to say this, but I think, and I'm probably going back on what I said in a couple of episodes ago, but I think he would potentially want to keep Conor Gallagher and and lose Billy Gilmore. I think he would. I think he would have enough. He would feel like he's got enough cover in terms of the players that we've currently got in the squad that does what Billy Gilmore can do. But we haven't really got that many that can do what Conor Gallagher can do no, in terms uh, of, mm. like you mentioned, the, the the long range scoring. I mean, that goal he scored against um against Everton. I mean, they're, they're like, they're, they're strikers goals, especially mm. the second one. I mean, that's a, you know, it took me back to almost like a David Beckham kind of, I know he's not a striker, but David Beckham kind of, you know, curling it in. And, um, and, and to be fair, Coleman was, was an idiot because I think he tries <laughs> to hit the ball. I think he tries to hit the ball against Schlupp or something. I don't know, I don't know what he was trying to do actually. Yeah. He was it's... trying to hit Schlupp, Jeff uh, Schlupp, and he, he missed, obviously missed him by a country, country mile. And then it ended up with Conor Gallagher and he just, does what he does but I think he's got he's got that in his locker you know he's got that in him you look at the way he bullies players off the ball he runs forward he's wanting the ball he's always if you watch him he's always in a good position to receive the ball um, he makes brilliant runs into the box as well and he tracks back which I like as well 
he, for me, I, I would look at him as a player that would definitely, and I think we've both, or amongst the three of us, we've all said this, that he's someone that could potentially compete with uh, Mason, uh, Ma- <clears throat> excuse me, Mason Mount for that kind of role as well mm. um, going forward. It's good competition to have, but I just look at it and I just think what a player he is. And it would be a shame to lose Billy Gilmore at the expense of Conor Gallagher coming back but, and vice versa. You know, I wouldn't want to see Conor Gallagher go if it means Billy Gilmore staying, but I just can't see the two of them remaining at the club with that level of football that they're expecting to get wanting as well, wanting as well, World Cup coming up for, for both, obviously Scotland for, for Billy Gilmore. Um, I can't really, I can't really see it. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I do think that obviously Sanagas won't stay. We won't make the move permanent next summer. I think Ross Barkley will be off in the summer, maybe even in January, potentially. So that frees up two midfield spots. So I do think, yeah. Maybe there's a chance that Gilmore and Gallagher both play a part next season. I wouldn't mind Gilmore being sent out on loan once again, maybe to a higher quality Premier League team, a team that will you know finish in a respectable position in the top 10, unlike the team he's currently at, where he's just getting battered every week, but still putting in decent performances, I suppose. Because you don't want that. That's what happened with Loftus Chief last season at Fulham. You know, he was mm-hmm. playing decent games, probably not his best football, but it's quite hard to shine when you're surrounded by dross and players that aren't performing. So... <laughs> I do think we shouldn't panic and buy any midfielders next 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 summer because we've got two quality midfielders that we've just spoken about that do have different skills. But um, yeah, I think Tuchel's got a bit of a decision to make um, in the summer, maybe which players perform, which players don't perform in pre-season. And obviously still a lot can happen in the next six months of football with injuries, uh, you know, players wanting to leave, maybe falling out, falling out. We saw what's happened with Arsenal and Obama Yang with discipline. <laughs> I don't expect that to happen at Chelsea. I think players are a lot more disciplined, but, um, but you never know. A lot can happen as well in the next six months. But I want both of them to finish their loans at their current clubs and make decisions next summer. I don't want any recalling in January. I definitely that's the right thing to do. But um, but yeah, big dilemma for Tuchel. A good dilemma there. You speak about recalling, which takes us on to our next topic in terms of, we spoke previously around um, Ben Chilwell, which is still the latest news that Tuchel's given us is that he's supposed to be, well, well we'll get an update in, in the new year, um, early January around his, his fitness recovery periods and um, timescales when he should return to football. So we spoke previously around Ian Matson and uh, Emerson as well, who both on loan left, left back situation, but um Luca Luca Dino is another player who has been linked with the club. Seems to have fell out with the Rafa Benitez, high, I think. Yeah, with the hierarchy at Everton. I'm not sure what's happened. The, I think he was pushed Rafa on um I'm gonna say Monday. I think it was a Monday that Everton played or whatever day they played, I can't remember, so apologies. But um that, you know, pre-match interview, Rafa was almost pressed for an answer as to why he's not in the team and he didn't really give an answer. So you, you kind of think it's not obviously an injury. It's not something that can be disclosed to the public. So it kind of seems in-house they want to keep it there. But it's an option. I, I still stick with the Ian Matson sort of theory around why I'd bring him back. But I want to hear your thoughts on Luca Dino. Is he, well, first of all, is he someone that you can see coming to the club and pushing Alonso if it is that Chilwell is out for that period of time which might seem you know out to the end of the, the season I do think he's a very good left back he's played at Roma Paris Saint-Germain Barcelona he's experienced every time I've watched him at Everton he's often put in a very good game got you know good set piece ability as well um I still think maybe we shouldn't panic and buy anyone in January but if we do I think it's a sensible option however I do think Benitez won't be there for much longer. 
I don't think he'll be there at Everton for much longer, which probably means someone else will come in and, you know, Luca Dean will be back in favour again at Everton and start playing. And, but, um, but yeah, I think the best thing to do if we do need that cover would be Ian Matson, maybe then Emerson. And then if we really, really desperate, Baba Rahman after that. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I'm, I'm available most yeah. Tuesday nights and I can play the odd game. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm playing better than Baba Rahman. I think he scored for Reading the other day, actually. But oh, both, he did. Both, he did. Both him and Drinkwater are on loan at Reading. And that's really like last resort if we need a midfielder and a left back are on loan. But yeah, I think Ian Matson's probably the most sensible one, a player that maybe will be happy playing second fiddle as well. Because I think Emerson, if he was to really record, he'd expect to be starting. But if we are to buy someone in January, I think given the situation and how everything's planned out, I think Luca Dean would be a sensible option should we buy anyone. But I think we need to stick with what we've got in the current squad and maybe then consider players that are on loan. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's a very good player. He is, yeah. And, and I think he's 20, 28, so relatively young in terms of you know footballing years and where he plays where he plays his uh his role and on the pitch but I, I agree I think you know and I'm going to keep saying it until it probably happens but Ian Matson for me is the 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 choice that I'd go for um but then you I suppose flip side of that if we lose Alonso to an injury are we then expecting Ian Matson to, to fully play those games as mm. well so I don't know it's, an, it's going to be an interesting one um can can Dean play left wing back as well? I don't think about that because it's he, he, he well he can he can. Um, I just don't know if he's got the quality to. I think he's more defensive um, in, in some ways for me. Maybe that might be the, the system he plays at Everton at the moment. Obviously, they don't play with five at the back as well, so it's very we don't really see him in that left wing back position. You know, he's more of a left back for Everton. Um, but it's interesting because, I mean, they've, they've played um, Godfrey, I think, in that role mm. a few times at Everton, albeit that, you know, Luca Dean's fit to play. There's other people filling in for him. So, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it all depends on Rafa. I think if Rafa's still there, which I've heard Oli, Oli's uh, in contention <laughs> for the job. I think he's still local to the area uh, in Cheshire somewhere. So, um, you know, if he does come in, I, I could see him probably you know, putting him back into that that role of left back. But, um, you know, if Rafa does end up staying and this bubbles away, Ben Chilwell, if Ben Chilwell isn't fit enough to to continue, then yeah, we'll need to potentially get someone who has got that Premier League experience. So I, I understand the link and understand where we're going. But if that's the case, we call Emerson. And I mm. think, you know, I think I'd rather have Emerson, who's someone who's linked to the club a bit more rather than going out and spending just for the sake of it. And then we potentially might not even need him come the next season so yeah it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one we forget but Emerson actually played against Crystal Palace he came on as a substitute in that opening game he's actually played yeah. a game for us this season which is funny but um, but yeah I think we'll revisit this probably when we get an update on Chilwell it makes sense to do that yeah definitely so um, yeah definitely it's been it's been a sort of event for 48 hours obviously we've got we've got um the UEFA Champions League draw to look forward to. Oh no, we haven't. They've done it already. We don't need to. They've done that. They've done that. I thought they were going to do it again <laughs> after cocking it up twice. But um, but no, it was interesting. You know, obviously they they finally got it right. So looking forward to those two ties um, as as well. So yeah, we should be progressing there. It'll be interesting to see who we can get get in left back if it isn't Luca Dean as well. There's, I'm sure there's other options out there. So if you you disagree with us, let us know in the comments below. 
if you think we should go for Luca Dean or should we go for someone else? Should we recall Ian Matson or Emerson as well? Talk to or us Barbara about Raman. Gallagher. Or Barbara yeah, Raman. <laughs> well, the only thing we should be saying about him in the comments is who should we sell him to? But, um, yeah, let us know your thoughts as well around Ross Barkley. Should he stay at the club? Should he have a, a more um, impact of, you know, impactful role at the club as well? And let us know about your thoughts on the, the last 16 as well. Obviously, Lille, it seems to be the, the more favourable um, option out of the teams that we could have got. So let us know as well. And don't forget, we still have our competition on Instagram as well. That is still active. It's still live. So 2,000 followers. There's a giveaway happening at the moment. So if you head over to From the Shed End with underscores between each of the words, you should be able to find the post, which is linked to that competition as well. We'll, we'll, we'll put all the links in the description as well so you can find that as well. But don't forget to subscribe. That's the main one please subscribe to this YouTube channel. We appreciate everyone who has subscribed already, but we do need a few more subscribers and comments as well. We feel a bit lonely out there without the comments. We feel like we're talking to ourselves. So um, yeah, just give us a like, subscribe, comment, all of that stuff as well. And Apple, Spotify, we're definitely on there as well. So make sure you listen to our podcast. But this has been episode 43 of From the Shed End Podcast with myself, T-Dot and Theo. As always, thank you for joining me. Until next time, thank you for listening.